business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. This is exactly 10 minutes past 12. The time it should be starting. Thank you for joining us once again. Today's a great show. It's the beginning of the year. It's the time we've all just been away. We've settled. Corona's sort of dying down, uh, you know, in a quite a rapid way in South Africa at the moment. And it's a time just to sit down and say, right, the kids are back at school. Everything's settled. And now I just need to take a few minutes to plan my investment approach for the year. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Am I just going to put my head back in the sand like I've maybe done before and let things run? Am I going to look at something different, something new? The question is, where do I turn? Who do I speak to? So those of you who already have a financial advisor, this is the time to ask for that meeting, sit down and really prod and try to clean things up, tidy things up, streamline things. And most importantly, as I always say, understand things. You don't need to understand every company that a particular unit trust has invested in, but you need to understand the nature of that unit trust, what it is, what the assets are that it's invested in, and how it works. And today for me is also quite a special show because we're speaking to a colleague of mine that uh, we go back about 20 years when we were both very fresh on the scene. We started um, at Sage Life, and uh, we then went our different ways, and it's just been an honor to be able to watch Brandon Grace who's now the CEO of Private Wealth at Anchor, really grow and develop and become one of the thought leaders and the leaders in the industry today. So, Brendan, welcome to High FM. Thank you very much, Javi. Yeah, it has been a long journey with us together, hasn't it? <laughs> it goes back a long way, but uh, it's hopefully helped has. a few people along the way. Absolutely, and I think that's the, the core issue here. I think when we started together, Anchor wasn't even around. Am I right? No, no not at all. No. So we, you know, we were at Sage Life many years ago, and uh, then, you know, we, as you say, we went our separate ways. And only in 2014 did I come across to to Anchor. I joined Anchor from, yeah. So it's uh, Anchor's only been in existence. 10 years and uh, yeah, we're coming up for our birthday next month. So it's been a very fast and very rapid and exciting sort of time for us. Um, yeah, and, and it's been good. So we've been blessed. Fantastic. Well, it's also always good to recognize the good and take advantage of that. And just to say it publicly as you have. Brendan, let's start at the, at the very, very beginning. Maybe let's start with Anchor, who Anchor Capital is, what their core values are. You know, you've got a start and it says, why are we different? And there's three main points is, number one, that you're small and nimble. Number two is that you've got a dedicated investment team. And number three is that you are also able to create bespoke product for clients. Are you really able to do that? Yeah, so I think, you know, Anchor in its sort of origins has been a number of, I'd like to sort of say, talented people that have gathered together and come from various backgrounds and from many of the established financial institutions in South Africa. So it's been a, been a grouping of like-minded people, but that also 
it has incorporated a very diverse range of people with different skills. So we've got asset managers that have come in, we've got unit trust fund managers that have gathered, we've got financial planners, we've got portfolio managers, we've got stockbrokers, et cetera. And so people have gathered, come, you know, and, and for whatever reasons, they've looked for a new beginning, a, a, new, a new start, a new opportunity that's presented themselves. I mean, the, the company that you work was a uh, you know where people sort of got disaffected um, from their previous institutions and then ended up starting a new business and I think that's the sort of origins of of anchor as well and we started ten years ago it was four or five people that got together and thought they would just manage a few a bit of money for a few clients and it quickly swelled out of that we got, we were listed for a period of time able to make a few acquisitions. Um, and that grew our business. And now we sit close to you know, 300 employees in the broader sort of grouping of, of the business. Um, and I'd like, yeah, and it's, it's, it's been a sort of an interesting ride. And uh, we are, yeah, uh, we're certainly nimble enough in, in terms of being able to come out along with solutions for people. And uh, we've, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a good energy. And I think, you know, anything in this, industry if you keep it in mind whenever we engage with people we're always looking to help and what are the problems we have to solve and we have to confront that every day and everybody every client circumstances has got its little nuance we've got to solve it and i think we you know if you keep that in mind you yeah you 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 are able to if you get too set in your ways and have too fixed a product set then yeah then you on the way to obsolescence i, I think Absolutely. I think that's so true. And one thing we've seen in this industry is that if you're not constantly evolving and constantly changing and constantly looking at the what's out there, not just in South Africa, but internationally and remaining relevant, you become irrelevant very, very quickly. But, you know, I think we're going to go off schedule a lot quicker than we thought because the SMSs are coming in thick and fast. Oh, and uh, really what the, the, the first the opening shot across the Bowery was uh, from a few people, basically that, if I can just quickly scroll through them, that 2021 oh. was not a bad year from an investment point of view, maybe better than the previous years. But what can we expect from 2022? And those are still in their you know, earning years, so let's say, now someone hasn't put an age up, let's say in your early 40s, and you've still got 15, 20 years to go, where should we position ourselves? Should one crawl out of the hole of protection and stick our head up and take a bit of risk? Or is this the time to just be patient and wait for better days? Okay, so I think the, the, the world, you know, our, our, our view, viewpoint is that the, the, the investment universe is a bit outside of South Africa. Um, it remains very attractive. There's so many great opportunities out there. So I think having you know that international flavor remains a, a mainstream uh, investment theme for us. Obviously, people you know that when the RAND bounces around, one can get you know a bit of you know on the wrong side of the RAND at various times. But you know that, that that's an aside. I think the, you you're looking for good companies and our strategy i mean just in terms of where where one invests locally if you're needing income south african sort of fund uh, bond and income funds remain a great place you know and that's that's world that's competitive worldwide 
Um, I don't know what the interest rates or you know, I mean, well, interest rates in many other countries are still remain very low. Um, and we've got good yields there. So that's part of it. If you're needing income, most of your assets probably need to be domiciled here. Uh, and then outside of that, you're looking for great, I think the equity and property space remain the, the only sort of asset classes internationally where you can really get decent uh, potential yields and, and keep looking for the good companies. That's what you're looking for, fund managers that have a strategy of, you know, looking out there for and finding, you know, the new trends, if you, if you have a bit more risk tolerance, some of the technology things have worked very, very well for people in the past, last three months, probably not so much, but uh, it's uh, been a bit of a hammering, but, but that's that's the cycle. We, we've you know, good, you know, the, these technology companies are wonderful in terms of how they're transforming certain industries. And yeah, and then, you know, there are so many other multinationals that are wonderful companies that have good dividend streams, very reliable income bases. Um, and, and, and some of them have got great recovery stories coming out of COVID. So there's, I think there's some great opportunities that exist out there. So, you know, to, to put our head on the block, is this the time to sort of look at rebalancing one's portfolio and getting a little bit more aggressive? I think certainly, yes. So in terms of the, the markets having come down in the last two months. I think there's some great opportunities. I think many of the fund managers, you'll see it in the unit trust fund manager space where the portfolios that have got flexible mandates, two or three months ago, they were high, holding very high levels of cash because they knew the market had overheated late last year. Um, and they were anticipating sort of maybe some bad earnings reports for certain companies. And we've seen some some of them, Facebook or Meta being one of the one of the ones that really came out and shocked the market. But on the back of that, there's great buying opportunities. You know, this is sale time in, in many respects. When things have come down, people must, must climb in and, and, and be brave enough to climb in when everybody else is suddenly getting a bit fearful or they've looked at their particularly their one-year return, and often January is a bad time for that, but uh, you know, people get a bit panicky, oh, I've done so badly in the last year or whatever it might be, but you know, that's a time to maybe go in a bit, a bit heavier with, with it. I think there's some great opportunities. So always be positive. Great. Ben, we need to take a, a quick ad break. Let's just yeah, run to the shops quickly and we'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. And it is exactly 21 minutes past 12. Brennan, while we were offline, I was just watching the uh, the, the, the messages coming through. The um, one or two interesting ones that came out, obviously Anchor not being one of those well-known established South African companies, only 10 years old. Um, the, the basic questions are, do you guys have your own unit trusts? Or would you simply put us into a fund of funds at other companies? Uh, so we do have a, yeah, I mean, that's, that's we, we've got a, a very much a hybrid arrangement in, in, in the business. We do have our own asset management capability and a number of unit trusts. And we've got some very experienced fund managers who oversee some of those, those funds. Um, and we've done very nicely in the past, you know, uh, year two years in the offshore space with some of those funds so we've got a, a yeah that and an experience i think helps in that in that field and we, we, we're quite comfortable income fund we've got good pedigree there as well uh, then we've got a in the private client side we've got 
you know, a number of uh, call them financial advisors, portfolio managers, wealth managers, whatever. You know, I think there's terminologies that's interchangeable in the industry, but people that engage at a, with private clients. And then, you know, we we do have uh, the traditional financial planning product suite where we can use other funds and use platforms that are are appropriate to to clients and their circumstances. Um, but like you know, we do shop around and try and keep you know mindful of the, the the you know the price and the product and the service that you get from you know wherever we tend to place clients' monies. And um, you've got to be mindful of those three factors always, and 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 try and endeavour to find a decent solution for a client out there. Can be a minefield. So, you know, looking. At, you know, and it can, and I think also in the industry, in the asset management industry, there's there's also a minefield. We've got a, a very angry client here who's used a name of a particular company, which I will not repeat. But basically to say I started with them many, many years ago when I was a young business person. My business grew, my investments grew, and they were great. Now, I'm not really big enough for them to give me the service that I got in the beginning. What is Anchor's minimum investment amount um, in order for me to entertain the thought of moving across? Okay, so you, you and I go back a long way, and I think we always had the philosophy that anybody who's serious about their money and is looking for help, I think we've, you know, even if it's, if you think about the amount of pro bono, bro, pro bono work where you've worked with somebody who's trying to get themselves set up, trying to find advice, trying to get guidance, young people, old people. So we certainly don't sit there and have a, a, a minimum requirement because we want to deal with people that are, are fairly serious. People that are fairly serious, even at a young age with money, tend to surprisingly or unsurprisingly, they gather a lot of assets along the way and they become very, very good clients. Our business is about a long journey together with people. So we've got... A vast, I think we match, we've got a, a vast array. I mean, you can see gray hair here and everything like that. So I've been in the industry some while, but we've got guys that are straight coming out and they're coming out wonderfully from the universities and that with qualifications that were certainly far superior than what you and I got when we entered the industry. You know, the guys that are coming out now with CFPs and that are properly qualified and able to help, you know, people, younger people and get, going and, and that's you know so we've got a spread of of people that can help everybody at a certain phase of life i think that's fantastic that's very, very interesting to hear and also it's something that i noticed that i i thought it was maybe just my impression but i am seeing that there is a younger class of people coming through who've done insurance and investing as, as majors in, in university and they sort mm -hmm. of coming into the industry whereas we had to be coached how to work in this industry yeah. They are really groomed as to how to come in here, and they're, they're mm -hmm. definitely up the ante. Um, we've seen it at Discovery significantly with, yes. with young professionals coming in and just adding a veneer of professionalism and efficiency that maybe didn't exist before. Um, Absolutely. Another, another thing that um, you know I wanted to touch on, but somebody else here has also asked, is about stockbroking. Um, again, a similar question. I have. 500,000 Rand to invest on the stock market. And I'm happy to put away another 25,000 Rand a month. And I get shunned by most stockbrokers when I go and speak to them. 
would Anchor be happy to take my business? Absolutely certain we would. It's just we've got to make make sure you get in contact with the right person. I think that's right. always, you know, when you know you know what it's like when you if I phone discovery, if I speak to the wrong person, I can get guided down the wrong avenue. So I think, you know, I think if if certainly if they made contact with me, I'd set them up with the appropriate sort of person and uh, you know, would, would get that type of portfolio up and running. Um, we aren't, I mean, it's, to be clear, we, we tend to handle sort of money with the long-term time horizon. So there are people, you know, that are looking to do more trading and, and you know, um, or speculative things. And I mean, you know, the names that have appeared in our South African sort of environment, easy equities, or even, uh, you know, if you think about the, the overseas one that flew during COVID, like Robin Hood, they operate in a space in which we don't participate. So I think that's, uh, you know, just to distinguish ourselves, we, you know, we can't be all things to, to everybody. But if we you know, make contact with us and we'll certainly endeavor to, um, you know, drop a line through to us. Um, and, um, just to clarify, stockbroking is it South African and international, or is it only in South Africa? Yeah, we've. I mean, we've got a, a local stockbroking license with the JSE, so we can do that here. But we will, we do use third parties on on the offshore side as well. Offshore can be a little bit more, you know, once once you flip that over and you divide the the rand amount by fifteen or sixteen or something and tends to you yeah can be a bit uh, you know a bit more difficult to get a portfolio of shares up and running offshore let's put it that way. yeah but I, I often think about the particular story that I was told about uh, somebody that I knew growing up as a young kid very modest family with children the mother had passed away many years ago and the father was a humble man and and that's almost a euphemism you know just did his job and they grew up you know, came to school, they had everything they needed, but, you know, no one really looked, gave them any credence from a, you know, from a financial point of view. Went on to Barsley, did nicely individually, and then the, the father passed away and left them an absolute fortune. What he really did is his whole working life, he bought Anglo shares from the day one. And every day he would buy, and obviously as the share became more and more expensive, he couldn't afford to buy a, say, he just kept, and and what he did is he had, I think, three or four children, and in his world, he simply left a portfolio divided equally amongst the children and set them very happily and merrily on their way for eternity, because there was really a significant amount, and I'm sure it diversified as the time went by, but that was simply saying that I'm, I've got humble means, and I'm putting away a humble amount. But if I do it enough over a period of time, I will come out um, at the other time. But maybe just a, a question um, that, that I get asked a lot and maybe just to, to bounce it off you. The challenge that we people have living in South Africa is the cost of living. Those, are, those people who earn well are really taxed at the top echelon in comparable to most uh, you know, first world countries. But for their money, they're getting very little in the sense that they're still paying for the basics, they're paying for their full medical aid, which is a chunk of money. They're paying the full education for their children, both at school and at varsity. They're paying things like school. And then often there's other taxes that South African affluent people pay, which is looking after the people that work for them. So if you've got a domestic worker who's worked for you for many years, there's a very good chance 
that you paid school fees for her children or you have a sister there. And at the end of the month, the large salary that you earned doesn't really equate to much. There might be a pension or a provident or both, an RA running, but most South Africans tend to turn around in their late 30s and 40s as their kids are sort of entering high school and get this reality check that I'm running out of runway before I have to retire. And then all of a sudden the panic sets in, which is a good thing because they get things going. But again, what we've often seen is that also that takes on undue risk and just throw it against the wall and see what happens and see what sticks. Let's play the scenario out. Somebody comes to you in that scenario at 40, doesn't have a much disposable income, and now they need to start planning. How does that plan work? What does that plan look like? Yeah, so I mean, before we get to you know the plan, uh, yeah, I mean, the, you you run into people with different scenarios. If you've got young kids or people that are starting out work, just get them into the basic habit of putting away a certain percentage and just get into that habit because whether they're on a pension fund or that discipline serves them well. If you just put away, you you build up. But that you write about people that have reached a certain age and they've accumulated very little assets. They might have been paying a home or whatever. I think the the first one is just the sort of, you know, the brutal honesty. That is half of our job is as advisors, if sometimes we've got to have that hard conversation. We've got to sit down and, and show a picture that isn't particularly rosy and we need to then start setting goals and objectives for them. And part of it is we're there to help guide them and give them, you know, sort of, you know, correct them, navigate them to a certain destination. You don't take off in Johannesburg and fly straight to Cape Town. You're tweaking your 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 company, you know, the, the navigation tools are being tweaked along the way and, and eventually you land in Cape Town. So that, that, that's the same approach is we've got to put out a bit of a plan. We need to get from Joburg to Cape Town. How do we do that? We've got 10, 15 or 20 years. Some of it involves, you know, guys, you know, the hard part. What can we possibly do in terms of increasing income? What uh, skill sets can you have? Some people have got very comfortable in their job. Sometimes they need to shop around, uplift themselves or learn new skills going into the sort of third phase of their working careers, call it, you know, the last 15, 20 years of their working career, they need to have a new skill set. Um, and, you know, but it, the you, you've got to have a plan, um, outline it, and then, you know, if you start using some of your tax breaks, I think that's, a, that's one where you mentioned like South Africans are being taxed to the hilt, but we don't, there are areas that if you just let the benefit of compound interest, for example, I'm just thinking of, you know, the annual 40,000 capital gains tax allowance that we, you know, exemption that we get. Many people don't use that on an annual basis, but, you know, to use it or lose it, if you don't use it in your annual tax return, obviously, if you go over that, you pay a heck of a lot of capital gains tax. But if you don't use it, you know, you add that up over a period of time, taking advantage of that or your interest uh, deduction or donation deductions to, to trusts, et cetera. So there are ways that people can, and there are other tax mechanisms that people must utilize to try and be a bit more tax efficient and help them, you know, get an extra bit of a savings, uh, you know, habit going. Um, and there's a discipline with it. You know, you always, the people that I've seen save very well or build assets up over time, have always paid themselves first 
um, and then the rest goes on to everything else, you know, school fees and kids and uh, entertainment and holidays, etc. So, yeah, if you leave it to save last, you know, what's left? Uh, there's not, never anything left in my, my case. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brendan, the reality is that I always say, you know, if you take those who start what we call modest income jobs at the beginning of their career, and I don't mean it in a disparaging way, but take a mm-hmm. nurse, take a policeman, um, where it's a career, and they have had a deduction from age 18, age 21, mm-hmm every single month into a fund um, that hopefully is well managed through the ups and the downs, they will end up at the end of the day with a pension that is manageable compared to their last salary. But the worst affected people are those people who generate tremendous incomes during their lifetime, live a tremendous lifestyle that is commensurate to that. And as you say, always pay themselves last in, in the sense that their asset is their business. And um, we, we've seen a horrible scenario where a person now wants to sell their business and they're a one-man show that's really looked after them for many, many years. There's nothing to sell or very little yeah. to sell. And all of a sudden, a person turns around and says, wow, you know, um, I, I just think of a colleague of ours from many, many years ago who, you know, got out of the industry recently and I, I was, you know, I just the figures came across my desk and I was staggered as to what he had built up over the, what is actually a lady, what she had built up over the years and what she actually got out at the end of the day because she was the personality that drove that business. And that's what, you know, attracted people to her. So yeah, that, that is exactly the point is that part of the expenses has got to be um, paying yourself but paying yourself for retirement. We've obviously hit on a, a nerve here. You know, the two main questions that are coming through, the one here is, in, is in uh, so not interest is what is the interest that I can earn on investment? Okay, so that's an ambiguous question to present. But inflation is it not true that inflation is a thing that corrodes all our income and that we need to save far more than we should have because of inflation? Uh, I think that's crudely put, but that's that is exactly the point. Yeah, so inflation is, I mean, has decimated, you know, and, and I mean, if you look back to the middle class in South Africa from 1980s, 70s, whatever, there's been a diminishment in most countries in terms of middle class, uh, you know, sort of spend because of inflation. So standard of living has definitely been affected for many people because of inflation. So in fact, but inflation's a number and you've got to sort of manage that along the way. So what you've got to do, you know, you've got to make sure that your salary matches inflation along the way, your salary increases. If you're not keeping up, you've got to keep an eye on certain expenses. And some of them have ballooned out of control. You know, our energy surprise, uh, prices in South Africa is one that comes to mind when they keep asking for triple inflation increases on electricity it, it you know it's, that's problematic and, and that is a proportion of your income can can eventually distort your whole budget and make make saving you know, uh, very difficult but there's an awareness and i think you know for people anybody who's serious about money will have an idea of their budget and what they're putting away and you know have a bit of a plan going forward if without it um in, you know inflation sneaks up and just you know, decimates your monthly budget. Um, Bernard, I'll tell you what, um, I see Craig looking at us there. Let's make, we take a quick break, um, maybe a yeah. minute and a half early. 
Craig, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Brendan right afterwards. This is RV on Business. Come to 101.9. Hi, thank you so much for staying with us. Sorry about that slight delay over there. With me is Brendan Gase from Anchor, from Anchor Capital. Brendan, we were talking about inflation just before the, the break. Let's maybe just go back to the, the other thing. So inflation, the other side of inflation is interest. And interest is something that we do have in South Africa. If you put your money in your bank, in the bank, you're going to get something for it. If you put your money in the bank here in Israel, unlike you'll get something. And in certain parts of the world, you'll be charged for putting money in your ba- in the bank. But what is the correlation between interest and inflation? Are they friends? Do they work together? Or does one need to bring something else into the mix? Okay, well, we're going to see how correlated they are in the US and, and other countries with inflation rising sharply. And uh, the government, the Federal Reserve is very reluctant to rise, raise interest rates because, because of rising interest rates, the part that it's great for retirees, it's great for people that are saving, we get more interest from the bank as interest rates go up. But the danger, and this is a very real danger, and you yourself just age-wise will remember owning a house back in the late 1990s, for example, where interest rates on your home loan went to 24%, as an example. We've been languishing for the last 10, 12 years with relatively, historically, very low interest rates for South Africans. So people with debt at the moment, any kind of debt, and and personal debt in particular, your credit cards, home loans, car repayments, etc., please pay attention to this these small little interest rate hikes that have been correlated. So every time our Reserve Bank comes out with its monetary policy meeting, what they call it, and they say inflation's ticking upwards and here's another quarter percent interest rate hike, start paying attention to those statements because those creep up on you. You know, the first little quarterly payment in a half, a quarter of a percent doesn't feel like anything in month one. But you take four of those increases or whatever during the course of a year, and then suddenly your cash flow is getting a little bit tighter along the way. So please always pay attention to that. I think you know many South Africans are indebted to some extent. Pay attention there. And if distressed or you start getting behind, engage with your, you know, the people, you know. Okay. So be careful there. That's a warning there on the interest. Fantastic. Brendan, how do people get hold of you? Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've got a, the easiest, because it comes directly through to me, is info at anchorcapital.co.za. would be the, you know, so just drop us a line there and leave a name and number, and, you know, we'll I'll get back to you personally. So engage. And take Fantastic. Brendan, thank you so much. Um, and if you don't Pleasure. mind, I'm actually going to be in touch with you from time to time. Uh, I really just think that we there was a lot of interest in what was said over here, and it was just the the approachable way in which you you touch on things and the the, the attention to detail that really made people perk up and, and take notice. So yeah. uh, thank you very thank much, you, Mr. Black. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons, and we'll be in touch with you shortly.